Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Grad Ready podcast, the humanities version. We're taking over, we're kicking out all the regular sciences, and we're coming for the natural sciences. I'm Caroline, I'm the humanities tutor from Perth. Nick, feel free to introduce yourself. Yep, so my name is Nick, I'm from Adelaide, um, and I am classically a physics tutor, so I will probably not be too much help here on this episode, but I'm more to facilitate and to poke and prod questions where I think that maybe some science background students might want a bit more information. Seeing as we do have quite a lot of science students, I will allow this, I'll allow it. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about quite a few different things today in regards to section two of the exam. So first, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the misconceptions that people tend to have in regards to section two. Then we'll have a look at what makes a good essay and what makes a bad essay as well. Then we'll talk a bit about how best to use your evidence when you're writing in an essay and also a little bit about the different forms you can write besides an essay. Uh, I will be your expert on the situation, but who's to say I won't miss something? So I'm looking forward to any questions you guys might have in the comments or that Nick might have for me as well. Shall we get started? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, you are well and truly versed in what's going on and what to start with recommendations. So I think let's kick off. Okay. Well, one of the most common misconceptions that we actually have about section two is that you have to write an argumentative essay for task A and you have to write a reflective or a creative essay for task B. I don't actually know where this misconception comes from. I think it might be from past students who have said this is what works for them. But at no point anywhere in either the exam or the ASA handbook does it say you must write any particular form. In fact, all it says is you must respond which is very unhelpful in my opinion, but it really is just to give you as much choice as possible. And it's to try and keep from limiting you in your responses. So for a lot of people who come from a science background, an argumentative essay is a great choice for them because it's similar to things you will have written in high school, things you will have written for any studies you might've had in university. It's quite an easy form to learn to write as well. There's some very simple rules to follow and it makes sense for a lot of people. It's not a requirement though. If you don't like writing argumentative essays, feel free to skip them altogether. Write something else. Write anything but an argumentative essay if you want to do so. The reverse of that is also true. You can write two argumentative essays if that's what you're particularly good at. It's quite likely that you're not gonna have the same marker marking both of your responses. So they won't actually know if you have submitted two, essay, two argumentative essays or not. So that really is just what works for you best. You need to decide, am I going to be writing better argumentative essays or better reflective essays? What's going to work best for me in this exam? What kind of timing is going to be affected by this as well? One of the other misconceptions we have is that a reflective essay is just an argu argumentative essay about a more personal topic. And that is not true at all. But unfortunately, I don't have good news in regards to that because a reflective essay is just a piece of writing there's no set structure, there's no set content, there's no order that you need to present your information in, and it's just an all-around bad time for anyone who likes structure. <laughs> we like to think, we like to teach it in humanities as writing something similar to a diary entry. So you might start by saying, this is what happened to me today, and then reflecting on how that affected you. What were you feeling at the time? What are you feeling about it now? Would you have done anything differently? How do you think other people felt in this situation? 
These are all the kinds of things that you need to be reflecting on in your reflective essay. It's in the title, really. But it's not necessarily just about a personal topic. You can write a reflective essay about a socio-cultural topic. So you might like to write a reflective essay about a topic like technology or poverty, anything that you might find really interesting, interesting to reflect on that you wouldn't write about in an argumentative essay, for example. It also doesn't require a thesis statement. It's literally just you reflecting on something. So you don't need to have an argument. You don't need to be presenting us with all of the facts and figures in regards to a situation. A lot of people like to write about one single experience that they have and then just talk about really their emotions in response to that. I like to recommend people also write about a relationship if they haven't got an experience they think would be good to reflect on. Relationships can be another really good tip there. But I think that's about all I have to say about the difference between critical essays and more pers and uh, reflective essays. So the next one is that you will be marked down if you write about unpopular opinions in your essay. And that is just not true. You're not being marked on what you say really at all. What you're being marked on is whether it re relates to the theme that's presented to you in your stimuli and whether what you're talking about is relevant to your thesis statement that you present in your introduction. So is your content staying true to what you say you're going to argue about or are you talking about something that's completely irrelevant? What you do need to remember, though, is that writing an essay for Gamsat is a lot like sport. You need to play to your marker just the same way as in footy, I need to play to the ref. You need to remember that they are going to have biases. And we would like to think that we're perfect as markers, but we're not, unfortunately. We can't always forget our biases. So if you are writing something that's particularly controversial, think about whether it's just controversial or is it offensive? Because an offensive essay is not going to score well, but a controversial one might. Uh, a lot of people will say, how far can I go? And I say, go as far as you're comfortable going with the knowledge that your marker might not like it. Are you comfortable taking that risk or are you a little bit worried that you might turn them off? But really, there's no prescription here. If you want to write about how we should be getting rid of the minimum wage altogether and letting companies pay whatever they like for the work as they deem it necessary, that's a controversial opinion I think would be a good essay to write about because you're going to be coming up with some really interesting ideas there if you can support it well. There are some controversial topics, though, that probably won't have very good evidence supporting them. Probably things that are more to do with race and gender issues. There's not going to be very much supporting evidence for that, and you are probably just going to come off as offensive. So steer clear of those. Stick to less offensive topics is my advice here. And the last misconception we have is that it's always better to write about controversial ideas than to write about things you know. What would you say in response to that, Nick? <laughs> I think uh, it's the same advice that I give to someone when they're sitting section three in the fact that you should be sticking to the things that you're good at and not trying to light mm -hmm. a fire and you know cause a scene with what you're saying. Yeah, that's absolutely what I would tell people. If you don't know about something, how are you going to write a full-on essay on it? Right? No, it doesn't matter if you're being controversial. That scores you well in about 25% of what they're looking at. You need to be scoring well in as many places as possible. You're more likely to do a better job if you're writing about what you know about. So play to your own strengths 
is the biggest piece of advice here, I think, is know what you're good at and know what your markers are going to be able to see you're good at as well. If you can't demonstrate that you know something, maybe that's not the best essay to be writing. I think that's most of the misconceptions that I've heard from my students about Section 2. Do you have any that you might have heard from them, Nick? Um, I think it, it really lines up quite well to what you're saying of, of writing you know, one essay that's critical, one essay that's reflective, making sure that your, your critical piece is actually arguing something It's argumentative. I think people get stuck with the, what they think they should do rather than what they want to do or what they feel passionate about. I mean, I think for me, a lot of people think that the, the markers are sitting there with an expectation of what they're going to read. I think surprising the marker is nice because it gives them something fresh to read. Um, and if I think, you know, if, if, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like if you write something that you're passionate about and you've got a lot of backing, you know, you've watched YouTube videos on it, you've listened to podcasts on it, you've listened to news stories on it, it's something that you're going to have a lot more backing and it's going to come across in your writing that you're passionate about it rather than trying to say, oh, well, you know, I... Maybe I should write about that political thing that I read one news article on last week that I, I don't know that much about just because it's it's topical and it feels present at the time. Um, so I think a lot of people get stuck on what they feel like they should be writing and not so much what they want to write about or, or what they, um, I guess, you know, know a lot about. So is there, I guess in that realm, do you think there's anything that people should stay away from absolutely across the board or is anything open to, to discussion? That's actually a really good question. Um, interestingly enough, we came, we were looking at the humanities content recently and what we were showing off in the slides, and we actually decided to take some things out because of trigger warnings and how it might accidentally uh, or unintentionally affect someone when they were in class. And things like domestic violence can be very difficult to write about and stay away from anything like that. Things where you're talking about any kind of race being inferior for any reason, I would stay away from that. It doesn't matter what you're going to argue, just don't do it. It's not going to sound good. But yeah, I think generally anything to do with trigger warnings would be a topic that I would recommend staying away from because you don't know who your marker is and you don't know what their experiences are. You don't want to accidentally do anything that might affect their reading of your essay. Yeah, but absolutely. I did really like what you had to say about writing what you want to write about, right? A lot of it's absolutely true that people think they must write about a certain thing, and that's just that's not true at all. Please, please write about things you're interested about because if you're interested in it, your chances are you're going to be able to interest someone else in it with just how much you're how you're passionate about it. If you can show them how excited you are about this topic, how much you believe in what you argue. That's going to come across so nicely in your essay. Doesn't matter how bad you think your writing is, it will show. Yeah, well, I think you, you've brought up some really good points. And I think, you know, it's good to stamp down the misconceptions first, because commonly people go in with this expectation of, of what they should do. And it's nice to just open it up and say, no, do what you want. Um, obviously do it well, but, but do what you want. And I think that kind of leads in well to the, to the next section, because that's kind of saying, do it well. Well, I guess what's the idea behind doing it well? What makes a good essay in your opinion? Well, there are, there's some very obvious things that come up here and there are also some very, well, some far less obvious things, right? So the obvious will be things like following your high school argumentative essay structure with your 
minimum two body paragraphs, an introduction and a conclusion with minimum three sentences, blah, blah, blah. We've all heard it a million times before. And if you need to hear it again, come to one of our classes. There's also things like having a good thesis statement with relevant content consistently throughout the essay, being interesting and just generally having good English, right? Those are things that any person who's written the GAMSAT could probably tell you. The less obvious would be thing, things that are different for every marker. And I'm probably going to talk a little bit about what I like to read today, but if you talk to any of the humanities staff, they will tell you they like different things. I'm quite sure of it. So the first one for me is actually being controversial and challenging in stark contrast to what we were saying before about you don't need to be controversial or challenging. I do like to read something like this. It's nice to read a viewpoint that challenges my own or something that is maybe something I hadn't thought about before. If you can argue an, an essay well enough to convince me that my popular opinion is not or should not be as popular as it is, you've written a fantastic essay, right? If you can change your marker's opinion at all, that's going to be a very strong essay that you've argued really well, probably with really good evidence as well. I can, I can't imagine an essay with bad, well, that convinces me that has bad evidence supporting him. So for example, an argument that it's sometimes okay for a mother or father to abandon their child to go and work and make money, that's going to get my, my attention a lot more than the reverse opinion, that it's never okay to leave your children, right? Because that's a very overtold narrative. It's something we've all heard a million times before. I'd much rather read the reverse opinion, why you think that's true, what's your evidence supporting it? I mean, think about why subreddits like r slash unpopular opinion is so popular. People like to read about things that challenge their opinions. So that's one of the things for me. Another thing is not using excessively showy language. And this is very difficult for a lot of people to wrap their heads around because there's no standard on what showy language is, I don't think. But generally, I would advise staying away from any words you don't know. If you're not sure what sophisticated means, for example, that's not a good example, is it? If you don't know what, say, uh, synecdoche is, that's a humanities concept we talk about a lot. And you'll find it in a lot of poetry, but don't talk about synecdoche if you don't know what it is, all right? That's the biggest thing in terms of writing for me is not using words you don't know and not using words that are too fancy for the situation, I think. The next thing is having a complete essay. That has two levels to it, actually. That means make sure you have a conclusion, first of all. Don't leave your conclusion out of your argumentative essay. And secondly, it means don't leave me with any questions, not at least no questions that you haven't led me to. So maybe your essay ends off with you suggesting that we need to do something about climate change, but you don't know what that is yet. You're just talking about how that's an issue and you think these people are responsible for coming up with that. That's a totally fine question to leave me with at the end of an essay. But if you've said that there are three causes for climate change, but you only tell me about two of them, that's not a complete essay. I need you to ask questions, but then answer them as well. Right. So an essay about veganism is another example. I actually read something about this recently. You, need, you do need to address that veganism is not going to be compatible with every person. There are some medical conditions, for example, where veganism is not going to work very well for those people. Things like iron deficiency. You're not going to be able to get as much iron in that diet. 
And that's a counter argument to your original point that you need to cover. It's actually something that people ask about a lot thinking about it is, do I need to include a counter argument in my essay? And the answer is maybe, depending on your topic. If you've got a topic that's discussed a lot, there are many arguments being thrown backwards and forwards about who's correct. You do need to acknowledge the other side. You can't just say, I've only read about points that support my opinion. You need to show that you have actually researched the whole topic. You need to show that you know what people who disagree with you are saying. And this is why you don't think those people are right. Things like that. Another thing for me is having an excellent thesis statement. And for me, an excellent, the an excellent thesis statement is one that doesn't use any extra words. So be very critical in writing your thesis statement. Edit it as you go. And the last thing is the correct order of information. I don't want to be confused reading your essay because that's going to take me longer to mark it. And I do not want to take a long time to mark your essay. I would like to get through it quite quickly. I don't want to have to go back and read something you've already said to try and understand where I'm at in the essay. I don't want to spend time looking for a question for the answer to a question I have. I would like things to be presented in an order that makes sense. So if I need to understand a definition before I can read your body paragraph, put that definition in the introduction. If I need to understand why you think that this one thing is true, then I need you to explain to me why that one thing is true before you use that as an argument in another body paragraph. Things like that. This is not actually an essay I see very, uh, an issue I see very often in grad ready students, which is great to see. But if you're ever worried about your marker not knowing whether something is related or not, make that relation explicit. Say, this is why this is related to my point. And now that I've done a short monologue, I will let someone else talk for a little bit. <laughs> um, so I guess my questions regarding any of that is, is, and I think I get this quite often when I'm talking to students. And again, I'm not a, a humanities tutor. So what I say to the students is always just my own opinion. And I try to, to let them know that. But mm -hmm. coming from someone who knows what they're doing, how many paragraphs roughly or what length should students be aiming to write? I know you mentioned introduction, conclusion, maybe a couple body paragraphs. Um, but I think a lot of people get hung up with if they do different forms of, of essays, which we'll talk about a bit later too. But, um, you know, if you write something a bit different, it, does that excuse you from having to do quite as lengthy of an essay and meaning that you can put more content in, or should you be still trying to get that, you know, 250 to 300 word mark while you're doing yeah. your, your essay still? For me, I think don't focus too much on how long it is. And as I was saying before, really look at, have you included everything that's necessary? I don't see an issue with people writing too long of an essay. I often see people writing an essay that's too short. So don't think about, I need to have five body paragraphs or I need to have three body paragraphs. Say, these are the two most important arguments. I also need to talk about a counter argument. What's the best way to present these? Three body paragraphs separated from each other. How long do I need to take explaining this particular concept? Can I have one shorter body paragraph and then one longer body paragraph after it? Generally, that's okay, right? I think depending, time constraints are a big thing here. So obviously including a counter argument will depend on time. But if your two body paragraphs are say that long on a piece of paper and your counter argument is that long, 
I would say you've got an issue there with spending too much time on one topic. You need to practice summarizing there. But unfortunately, as you say, there is no specific or prescription really with regards to length. It comes down to can you fit everything into the space that you've got or do you need to take a little bit more time to explain something? Or have you explained everything that I need to know in this space of time? It does help a lot of people though to be aiming for three body paragraphs though. So I tend to say if you need a structure, follow that high school structure, three body paragraphs, an introduction and a conclusion. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think it's important to, to not only play to your audience and play to your strengths, but also understand what type of essay you're writing. And that kind of leads me, I guess, yeah. into the idea of, you know, maybe this is more thinking from a science point of view, but you know, I was always taught when you write a science paper. So if you're writing fact information, informative essay on a science topic, adjectives and adverbs are your, are your worst enemy. You know, you don't want to be putting in anything that ends in L-Y, um, anything to, to kind of explain your nouns any more than you actually have to. Um, is that something that you find is dependent on the essay you write? Could you get away with not really using much language if you write a science essay? Or should you be trying to show your, your grasp on the English language, even if you write an, an informative topic to try and show the marker that, yes, I, I do know how to speak English, but I'm also not fluffing about because I know that it is an informative essay. Mm. This is actually such an interesting question because it's one that I hadn't considered at all before is like breaking down your language into like what types of words I should use. And that's actually a great way of thinking of it, I think. Um, personally, I hate adverbs. I hate them with such a burning passion. <laughs> but that's coming from someone who actually writes creative fiction, having studied creative writing, we get that beaten out of us in first year. Mm. We're told if you need to describe how someone does something, say it in the verb instead, right? She danced happily, just, just say she jigged, right? That's kind of implicit in the word. Adjectives though, I think are a different story because adjectives can actually make your argumentative essays a lot stronger, right? If you're talking about the effects of climate change, that's not a very specific description of what's going on. If you're talking about the destruction of the most beautiful nature we have going on, I'm not going to take points off you for using beautiful in that sentence. The beautiful nature we have going on. I might take points off you for writing going on in an academic essay. Um, in terms of where to draw the line, I would say if you've got more than one adjective in a sentence, that's probably too many, right? You should also think about what you're describing. Does the thing you're describing need extra information about it? Or are people probably going to be able to figure out what you're talking about based on what the thing is? So if you're talking about very broadly nature, you need to be a bit more descriptive than that. You need to be more specific in particular. So you might like to talk about the scenery of, I don't know, let's say the scenery of the Australian bush. You might like to describe, describe the desert as dry, the sky as blue. Use your descriptive information there. If you're talking about the Samsung Galaxy S20+, Plus, I don't need you to be particularly descriptive of that because I know what it looks like. And most people know what it looks like, right? You don't need to say the glossy phone screen. Just say the phone screen. But coming back to argumentative essays a little bit, I think that a small amount of flair in your writing here doesn't do you any damage. Use it sparingly, but do be a little bit descriptive here, right? We want to see that you're passionate about your subject, 
So do that by using exciting words. Cool. That's, that's helpful. Cause I think for me, I, I, I don't like to use a lot of showy words because I come from a, mm -hmm. a bit of a science background kind of. Um, and so I was always taught don't use showy language. So it's useful to know that you can use it, but as long as, and I think it kind of, you know, I think to sum up what you've said the entire way through, if you're going to do something, have a reason as to why you're doing it. Don't just do it because you think you should do it or because you think that the markers will like it. I think it's important to say, I am adding this adjective in because it adds something to my paragraph or I am writing an argumentative essay because it fits the prompt and I am good at writing an argumentative essay and I have an argument to make or I'm putting a, um, you know, the other side's opinion into my paper because I think it adds to what I'm saying and it shows that I've thought about both sides to this and I can break apart an argument from both ends. So I think, yeah, that's, that just sums up that whole idea of have purpose, have a reason to put it in there. Um, and I think to, to dictate purpose and how you're going to run things. And I, I struggled with this a lot when I wrote my essays for section two. So section two, just for people that haven't said it before, you have 65 minutes currently, you have two essays that you have to write and you have five minutes of reading time. So effectively you have 30 minutes to write each essay, depending on how you budget your time. So with that, a lot of the things that I get for questions tend to be how long should I be spending on trying to plan and outline and, and write out, you know, okay, this is thesis statement number one, this is thesis statement number two, these are my three, um, I guess, arguments or pieces of information that I'm going to break down. And then this is what my conclusion is going to be. How long would you say that students should kind of spend before they start actually writing their essay to make sure they have direction and don't just write for 20 minutes and then go, Oh, actually this isn't related to my original thesis statement. I've completely changed my essay. Is it, you know, is it worth spending a good amount of time knowing you only have 65 minutes for section two? Well, first of all, I would love to say that you've had the idea of planning beaten into you because that is just great to see. I love that you're already planning. <laughs> please, please, please plan your essays. Because as you say, people often will start writing without a plan, get halfway through and have no idea where to go with it. Or they'll get halfway through and realize I've just spent two paragraphs talking about stuff that's completely unrelated to my point. So first of all, plan it. In regards to how long you should spend planning though, I would say that generally we advise about five to 10 minutes, depending on how quickly you can write, right? Use that first five minutes in the 65 to definitely plan. But if you're really confident, say with an argumentative essay and you're writing one, maybe take five minutes off that to spend a little bit of extra time planning your other response. This also really depends on how knowledgeable you are with your topic. And also how lucky you get with your themes, because you might be really knowledgeable about something like war, right? You might have experience with it. You might just have studied history and the military in general in your country, wherever you might be from. And war comes up as a topic and you're like, right, I can write an essay about that in 20 minutes. Done. That leaves me 15 minutes to plan my other response where you might not have been so lucky with a theme, say something like revenge. We don't actually think about revenge very much in our daily lives. So coming up with an essay response for something like that is quite difficult to do in a short space of time. But definitely spend more time planning the things that you're less confident in. If you've got a really easy topic for you, write down dot points, one dot point per paragraph, probably, and then move on to your next response. 
If you find that you are incredibly lucky and you've got just two topics that are great for you, you can smash them out in 20 minutes each, then I would say do that. Don't spend too much time planning. Instead, spend time editing. Use as much of your time to edit as you possibly can. Because no matter how confident you are you are in writing about a topic, your hand cannot move as fast as your brain can. There will be tiny mistakes in your writing. And I say that from experience, unfortunately. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Well, that's, that's helpful. So I think, yeah, definitely, definitely plan. Um, and yeah, I guess spend that time, you know, accordingly based on your skills. And I think one other thing to, to keep in mind for students as well, is it for specifically the March, 2021 GAM set, obviously things might change in the future and that's kind of what we're recording this for, but in the future, things might be a bit different, but for now they're doing the GAM set on computer. So you're going to be typing. So I think the other thing to keep in mind is, is your typing speed. So if you know that your typing speed is not up to scratch, it's going to be one of those factors that plays into writing the essay. So if you know, you're going to need that extra five minutes to actually just type out and finger peck the words out, you might want to start writing sooner rather than later. So you can actually get your fully formed essay onto paper rather than completely not being able to do a conclusion because you've run out of time. So I think, you know, Caroline's made some really interesting points of the fact that, you know, you need to budget your time based on your skills and, and uh, what you're writing on and how confident you are in the material. But, you know, there's all these physical things that come into play as well, such as fatigue once you've gotten there and, um, you know, stress and pure just ability to, to work on a computer and to stare at a computer screen for that long. So there's a lot of things to take into, into consideration. But um, I think now that you've outlined roughly what a good essay should look like from the outside um what exactly would you recommend for people to to write about how should they be approaching it i guess how are you using that evidence effectively to make a good essay so the first thing i say or the first thing i get asked about a lot here is how much evidence do i need to have right how many statistics should i memorize how many examples of this particular case do i need to memorize and the thing I say to that is you don't need the most evidence. You need the best evidence, right? So memorize as much as it, of it as you can, because that allows you to pick and choose from more sources. It allows you to have a better understanding of the topic you're talking about. And it also allows you to say, mm, I know about this example, but I don't think that it's actually a very good choice to support what I'm talking about here. If you know more similar examples to that one, you might like to talk about something else. So don't try and have as much as, well, do try and have as much as possible, but don't try to include as much as possible. Be choosy about what you're using and be critical about it as well, right? Be, just because you like an example doesn't mean it's necessarily the best one for the essay you're writing. Another thing to do is to make sure that you're fully examining the essay, the example you've included. Make sure that you're not just saying, look at this example of this famous person. You need to break that down and discuss explicitly why that is an example of your argument. We can see how this person doing this one thing is actually an example of, I don't know, what would, they be an ex what would that be an example of? Uh, systemic racism, say, right? We can see that this uncommon person, maybe that no one's heard of, is actually using their power to promote this one particular attitude. 
So make that really clear to your marker that you have thought about this example and you can explain why it's relevant to your point. The other thing I think to bear in mind is that a lot of you will be used to looking at statistical evidence. You're going to be working with facts and figures a lot in maybe your careers, maybe in your studies, whatever it is. And that's not going to always help you. Your GAMSAT markers are actually looking for you to be very widespread or for your knowledge to be very widespread, for you to be well read and to show that you are not secluding yourself into one section of the world's information. You need to show that you know lots of different things and a good way to do that is to use different types of evidence. So yes, give us some statistics on the gender pay gap, but also give us some more concrete examples of where that can be seen in the workplace. So give us some example, like personal examples that you may have heard from a friend or that you may have experienced yourself. Don't be afraid of using personal experience in an argumentative essay as well. That's a big thing that high school teachers, that makes me angry about high school teachers actually, is that they tell you you're not allowed to use first person in an essay for no good reason. Like why, why, why would they say that? Why would they tell anyone that? That's not true. You are supposed to use first person all the time when you're talking about a personal experience. If something happened to you, say it happened to you. Don't pretend it happened to someone else. It's probably going to come across better if you're saying what happened to you personally because it's something that you've experienced and therefore understand a lot better than other people will. So don't be afraid of personal evidence. But don't, again, don't be afraid of using other people's personal evidence, right? You might like to talk about a story of a person that you know who has lived through this one life experience that documents the argument you're making really, really well. Basically, that was a very roundabout way of saying, don't just use one type of evidence, use all of them. Use as many different types as you can, because the more types of examples you can use, the better you can demonstrate that you're very well versed in your topic. Yeah. Do I have anything else? Um, I think that's about it for me in cool. terms of how to best use your evidence. Yeah, I like that. And I think the, the idea of using personal experience is really scary for a lot of people. And even for me as well, because I don't like to put personal things into the essay, especially if it's an argumentative or informative piece. But um, I think it does show a bit of personality as well. And, you know, sometimes I think too, if you're writing an argumentative essay and the personal experience that you have actually contradicts what you're arguing, it shows that you can see that in real life as well. Um, might not always be the way, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it shows that you expose yourself to different people and, and different backgrounds and you can understand that it's not always going to be the case of what you're talking about. Um, you talked a lot about, you know, using, you know, some statistical evidence here and there, cause it does, I think, bolster your essay and, and show you do know what you're talking about data, other people's experiences, things happening in the world. <laughs> I get asked this literally every time that I talk to a student, but, um, what would you say in your opinion are some of the best resources for just exposing yourself to more, more information, more experiences, you know, and when I was prepping, I think some of the more common things that I used based on what I like to watch was were things like Ted talks. Cause they were always well produced. They were always high quality. They were always about kind of groundbreaking things or, um, social issues. I liked podcasts a lot because I could just chuck your phones mm -hmm. in, go for a walk with the dog and, and kind of just listen, you know, broadly, you know, things like the daily for news. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other podcasts. What, 
as far as if you could give maybe a top five or less, um, you know, things or sources to look for, um, what would you say would be the best utilization of time and broad exposure for students? Well, I think the place we always tell people to start is with newspapers, but honestly, newspapers are generally pretty boring. They're very cut and dry. So what I like to tell people to do is look for the headlines in a newspaper, then research that headline elsewhere. See what you can find about it from other sources. You might find a different news corporation that isn't owned by Rupert Murdoch that you might like to read about actually for once. You might like to go and actually look up that topic in some academic journals, journals maybe. Use your old university's uh, login to your library there. I actually really like to actually just go straight to, uh, what is it, Sage Publications. Mm. I really like Sage. And what's the red one? JSTOR? I really like JSTOR as well. They tend to have the most articles relevant to my research. So find something that interests you and then research that as much as you can wherever you can find it. If reading is what works for you, then absolutely go look at um, journal articles or look at other new print media forms. But I think you make a really good point about looking on YouTube and to more visual or audio forms of information, right? So actually, I really love Tom Scott on YouTube because he presents all of these incredibly insane ideas in such a simple way for my tired brain at the end of the day to absorb them. Um, I used to really like Vsauce as well on YouTube, but I don't know how much of that is an academic source, right? You want to be looking at people who are providing their sources in the description box if you're looking at YouTube, so you can go and check their veracity. But YouTube is absolutely a great place to go and look at that. So Tom Scott is really good for me. There's a couple of history channels that I really like as well. Uh, CGP Grey is always one of my favorites, but TED Talks are probably the best place to be looking there, yeah. at least to be starting with. And I think you make a good podcast point. again. I think you make Sorry? a good point too to to explore things that you're interested in because I think a lot of times students mm -hmm. try to spread their knowledge so wide that they just are paper thin. But it's good to have a lot of information about the topics that you actually really like. I think that starting with something that you like is makes it easier for you to get into things that you don't like as much because you're already in the groove of studying. You're like, oh well, I may as well go read about this boring article about the history of Botswana and why blah, 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 anything like that. If you start with something interesting, it will be easier to do something boring. Podcasts again, though, are a fantastic way of learning about literally anything. There are so many podcasts these days. We have a podcast. Listen to us. Please listen, subscribe, follow for more updates. But no matter what it is you're interested in, you will find a podcast about it or you will find an episode of a podcast about it. There is Everything has been discussed on podcasts. Personally, some of my favorites are, I actually really like one called You're Wrong About, which is literally just taking all of these societal ideals we have and going, this comes from nothing, or this comes from one person doing one thing one time, and there's no reason for believing it. My favorite episode is the episode with the lemmings, and le discussing why we think that lemmings jump off cliffs, and why it's Disney's fault. A good episode, go check it out. Personally, I'm really interested in philosophy because it applies to so many different things. So I listen to a couple of different one uh, podcasts about that, but my favorite is called Philosophize This, not only because it's very informative and it follows a very good order of information, but also because it's great to go to sleep to. If you are having trouble sleeping at night and you want something on in the background, put on Philosophize This. That guy's voice is amazing. <laughs> it's so calming and relaxing. 
Some of my other favourites are, I really like to listen to more fun podcasts. I like things like mythology, anything to do with storytelling. So myths and legends is a great place to be looking at the original sources of all these different fairy tales. They might give you some inspiration for your reflective writing. They might give you some inspiration for your creative writing. Or it might be a good place for you to look at in an argumentative essay where some of our societal ideals come from. Right? Are they coming from what we actually believe to be true from the Disney version of this fairy tale? Or is that actually coming from a slightly more sinister place with the original story? Have a look at what the Grimm, bro Grimm brothers actually wrote in Cinderella or in Little Red Riding Hood versus what is presented to us as kids. And you can explore really drastically how badly those things are represented. And why, why, why is it that everything is just changed for kids? They need to learn the truth at a young age, in my opinion, at least. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's so good. I think some of those are my favorites. Yeah, and I think you're one of the first people to like actually have a bit of a list of things like, I like this, 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 and this, and this is what I recommend. And I think the, the thing to keep in mind as well with all this stuff, this is all personal. Um, and because section two is so dependent on you as a writer and the marker as a human, all of this stuff is just kind of up in the air tips and tricks, it's not necessarily always going to be hard fast. And especially the, the resources that we're recommending here, you may find that audio visual stuff doesn't work for you. And you want to go straight to a textbook to learn something or you want to read the newspaper, you might find that reading every news article, word by word is how you want to do it, which is totally fine. Um, it's, it's all dependent on the person. So I think one of my last questions as far as, you know, using evidence effectively and using the prompts that you have on the day and having a good, well-structured essay. And I've heard this a few different ways and different people saying what they recommend. So usually for each essay, you get five prompts. I think it is. It's been a while. I haven't actually mm -hmm. researched in that long what section two setup is. But you get five prompts per essay. Five is correct. Okay, cool. Good. Um, so five prompts per essay and they all kind of have similar themes to them. So like Caroline was saying, you know, it might have to do with war. That's kind of the uniting theme between all five prompts. And they're going to be just short snippets. So maybe a sentence long, if that, it might be less than that. Um, they could be quotes from a famous person at one stage in time who said something about war that was kind of moving. Um, would you say with those five quotes or those five prompts, is it more important to take one of them and dissect just that one quote fully or try and find a, I guess, some type of, you know, semblance of, of sameness between all five quotes and then write on the broad idea, making sure you tick the box on, you know, mentioning or giving a shout out to each um, prompt individually. I, and I know, again, it's going to be very person to person, depending on what your strengths are, but what would you recommend as far as writing a good essay? I think that's actually a really good question. And it's something that people get when they're first writing about, when they're first writing their GAMSAT response, they get really bogged down in this. And personally, I actually recommend don't mention the quotes at all. Personally, I like to see more of your own writing and less reference to other people. What the examination will actually say is respond to one or more of the themes. So obviously they will all be relating to one specific overarching theme, such as war, but you might have a quote from Gandhi in there and you might equally have a quote from Winston Churchill. You might even have them in the same one. And those two quotes are gonna present very different ideas about war. So it's really up to you where which direction you take this in, right? You can take it 
into the direction of the behind the scenes of war, if you'd like to, right? Should we be paying more attention and giving more recognition to people who are not on the battlefront but are still serving in the army? That's absolutely something you can talk about in regards to war. So I would say take that overarching theme and find something specific that you're interested to write about in relation to it, right? That doesn't need to be related to any of your quotes, but find something within the overarching theme that works for you and then expand upon that. So unfortunately, I say don't look at the quotes specifically because the question is asking you to respond to a theme. It's not asking you to respond to a quote. So I would say look at them in your planning in your first five minutes, identify the theme and then forget about them altogether because I, I don't find that they help people very much personally. But again, as you say, every marker will tell you something different about that, right? I'm sure the other grad ready tutors will have something different to say. That's just my personal experience that I've seen with my students and that I've seen in my own writing is making reference to what other people say doesn't help me develop my own ideas. Yep, and I think that's strong too, because it gives you a bit more of wiggle room to write about what you want to write about if you've identified the theme, but you have something to say about that theme because it gives you the opportunity to talk about whatever you want. So. Um, yeah, that's yeah. It's a, a really good, I guess, kind of approach to, to not necessarily saying don't use the quotes at all, but utilize the, the unifying theme. And I think too, if it, if a quote really sticks out to you and you think, oh, that would work perfectly in my essay, well, use it. That's fine. No one's saying that you cannot use the quotes as well. So, um, I guess we've talked a lot about what makes a good essay and informative versus argumentative versus, um, you know, just entertaining type um essays as well what are the other forms of essays that you commonly see people writing and i guess what what are the good sides and the bad sides because obviously there's some some more i don't know if i want to say more risky um formats to to utilize I, in my opinion they're risky because they you're taking a, a step out kind of your comfort zone maybe or you're you're trying to show a skill that you have um, but it can backfire. So what are the other options that students have other than just a pure essay? And I guess what what's the pros and cons to writing an essay outside of the norm? Well, I think generally what we say is you can write anything, but to quote Mark McGowan, use common sense, right? So whenever I talk about poetry, there will always be that one jokester in the class who says, can I write a haiku? And yes, you can write a haiku, but I will also expect you to follow that haiku with nine more haikus because we are expecting a certain length from you. You cannot express all of your ideas in three lines. So let's start off there. Poetry is one of the forms I get asked about the most because people are either terrified of it or they want to write it and they think they can't. So within poetry, there are a lot of different forms you can choose from. Personally, I think free verse is probably the easiest you could use in the Gansat because there are far less rules to free verse. It's generally the one that most people are best acquainted with, and it doesn't actually take a long time to write it. And this is true of all poetry forms. It shouldn't take you as long to write a poem as it does to write an essay or to write a short story or whatever else it is. That can be a very good thing, but it can also be a very bad thing because if you write it very quickly and you assume that it's good as it is, you will fall, you will fail. That is not a good strategy to have to writing poetry. Write it as quickly as you can and then spend the rest of the time you would have spent writing editing it. No one writes a good poem the first time out. And again, I say that from experience. 
So poetry as a marker is actually something very interesting to read. I really like it when people submit poems because it shows that you've thought, mm, maybe an essay isn't the best way to express this. And maybe I'm probably not going to write a short story so well. What else can I do? Oh, poetry. Cool. Not many people are going to be writing poetry. So that's going to get me points for my originality here. So that's one of the biggest pros of poetry is your marker will automatically be a bit more interested if you just written it than if you'd written an essay. The downside is that if you get their interest and then you lose it very quickly, that is worse than just not getting their attention in the first place, right? You want to make sure that your poetry, your poem is good. So the easiest place to lose marks in poetry is not following the rules of form. If say you're writing a sonnet, you need to be thinking about things like iambic pentameter. You need to be thinking about your rhyme scheme. Those are very difficult things to pay attention to with the time constraints you've got, right? How are you going to write 14 lines in an A, B, B, A, C, C, D, or C, D, D, C, whatever it is, rhyme scheme, then your two rhyming couplets, make sure that it's got the correct iambic pentameter, that you've actually got your twist in the final two lines. It's quite a difficult thing to do, to remember all of those things. And if you forget one, that's a huge point, a huge minus in terms of your response. So think about what techniques are necessary for you in your poetry and choose your form based on that. Again, free verse is probably the best option here because there are so few rules, but remember that that doesn't mean there are no rules. You need to be thinking about where's the best place to end your line. Why am I cutting off this line, this sentence in the middle of it to start on a new line? Am I ending on a powerful note in my stanza or am I ending in the middle of a sentence and is there a reason for doing that? Another uh, form that I like to actually read personally is a form called Pantoum, which is taking 10 lines that you write initially and then repeating them in a very specific order because it can show that you've thought about one concept, but you've also thought about how that concept can be appreciated in several different ways. People might like to write a ballad because basically we all know pop music, we all know how ballads work. They're basically the same thing. And I would say, yes, write a ballad if you're confident that you can come up with enough interesting rhymes to be using in regards to your content. The other thing to do with poetry is that it's very easy to fall into cliches when it comes to poetry, right? It's also very easy to reuse lines that you might have heard in a song, in a poem, in a book, whatever. If you hear something that you like that sounds poetic, it's very easy to just write that down and pretend it's your own. And you do not want to accidentally do that for a marker who knows where it comes from. So be careful with your word choice here. Make sure it's your own and make sure it's not even remotely close to anything someone else has said. Make sure it's very clearly yours. So moving on, short story is another thing that people like to write a lot in the GAMSAT. And I think short story is a great choice. Short story technically is anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000 words, but... I would accept anything shorter as still being short story. So really, you're allowed to write whatever length you want to for short story. There are no rules in terms of that. What you need to have is a very brief plot. So something needs to happen. It doesn't necessarily need to be resolved, though. That can be your ending. You can leave a question at the end in a short story. As long as your characters are showing some kind of development and some kind of growth in terms of their persona, that's what we're looking for in a short story. 
don't focus too much on your plot here. A lot of people try to come up with an insane twist pretending they're M. Night Shyamalan and that's not going to help you because you're not being marked on your ability to write an entertaining plot in a short story. You're being marked on your ability to reflect. So we want to see you showing character growth. Another thing here is that a lot of people hate writing dialogue and they really struggle to write dialogue well. So what you might like to do instead of a short story, if you have issues with things like that, is actually to write a diary entry, as we said before. So some people think a personal essay is a lot like a diary entry. You can actually instead just write literally a diary entry. Dear diary, today I did this. Totally fine and acceptable for a Gamsat response. The final one that I like to talk about is actually writing a speech. Um, a lot of people wouldn't have thought of that, I think, which is what makes it so interesting. If I saw a speech, I have not yet, but I would like to, then that's actually something that's quite easy for people to write because it's similar to an argumentative essay. You're trying to be persuasive. You're trying to be motivational. You're trying to get the attention of your reader as much as you can. And you're also trying to convince them of an argument, which is something that if you are a fan of argumentative essays can be quite beneficial in regards to a reflective response. You can reflect on something, but also argue your point at the same time in a speech. For me, there are only benefits to this, right? It's quite easy to write a good speech. With You might have been in the debate team in high school. That would be a great choice for you to be, choice of form for you to write about here. I just realized I said that was the last one I was going to talk about, and it's not the last one I'm going to talk about. There is another form that I would like to discuss, and that is writing a letter. So writing a letter essentially means you're using second person. You're addressing the reader directly. You're talking about a me and a you. And that can be a great way to evoke responses in them, right? You can ask them questions directly. What do you think of this situation? Do you agree with this? Have you considered this other opinion? And that actually causes your marker to think a lot harder than they would in a good way than they would with other forms. It still feels quite like quite a personal response and you're still able to reflect within a letter, but it's less formal. And if you don't like formal academic writing, this might be a great choice for you. There is some requirement in terms of structure here still. So you do need to follow a beginning, middle and end. Really, you do need to follow the dear sir or madam, whoever it is you're writing to. All of those kinds of general techniques that we see in letter writing still need to be present. Those are some of the best forms that I can think of for your response to section two. Do you have any other questions about forms that might be okay or suggestions, things you might have heard from students? Um, I don't think I have anything like too much about you know, suggestions of more um, types of essays to write. But I think the, the only question that I really have is a lot of people are trying to make themselves stand out in section three by writing something, you know, off the wall or of left field. What do you say to students who, you know, are trying to maybe push themselves a little bit into poetry, but don't know much about it? You know, what is that line between standing out, but, you know, sticking to what you're good at? And if you know that you're good at argumentative, just sticking to argumentative, where do you draw that line? I think drawing the line depends on how committed you are to writing a specific form. If you're really interested in poetry, you really, really want to do well there. Even if your poem is not as good as your argumentative essay, it's probably still going to be good because you're making an effort, right? It's a really good idea to practice beforehand. Please feel free that if you've got submissions with Grad Ready, submit your poetry there as well. Submit whatever form it is. We're going to mark it regardless of whether it's an essay or not. 
So please feel free to get as much feedback as you can from us. But also show it to your peers and your friends and family. See what they think. See what the everyday layperson thinks of your poetry. Can it be understood? Does it make sense to people? Is it worthwhile writing more about this topic or should I be looking at writing about something else in regards to my poetry? But I really think overall, if you want to do well in poetry, you can and you probably will with some practice. That's to say if you're not starting off well. Who knows, maybe you're a poetry genius and you were in the wrong field all this time. And you won't need to do the game set after this. You've discovered you're a poet. But yeah, I think don't worry too much about doing a form for any reason other than it fitting your idea well. Don't go into the essay, don't go into the exam thinking I'm going to write an argumentative essay and I'm going to write a poem. Get in there, have a look at your themes that you've come across. Think about what idea you want to write about, what topic it is you want to cover. And then decide based on that what form is best for you. So if you get in there on the day and you haven't really practiced poetry, but you have a great idea for a poem and you're confident that you can write it well, I would I would probably say go for it. And if you're willing to take the risk, right? It depends on how confident you are, absolutely. But if you are confident and you reckon that you've written an absolutely amazing poem on the day, great. Good for you. I think that's fantastic. Don't get bogged down in going in with a specific idea of what you must and must not do is I think the most important point here. Awesome. I think that's hopefully really helpful for people and, and clears up some, some, I guess, questions that students have, I guess, that I've seen in the past and maybe are sitting out there listening. So um, I think in the interest of time, we might kind of wrap things up there. And I think that's more than enough information for people to be kind of moving around through their brains. And... Oh yeah. Ever everyone's going to be falling asleep with all the information being thrown at them. <laughs> I think, I think it's all very interesting stuff. Cause I think because section two is so, um, person to person, it, it's hard to get hard, fast information. So I think they just get wherever they can. But, um, for those of you that are still listening, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for Caroline to hopping onto the episode and, and sharing all of her information. She was probably much more helpful than I would have been for section two. So we appreciate you coming around You're very helpful don't say that <laughs> i'm good with questions because i don't thanks know very much, much for having me though no worries um and yeah if you <laughs> guys really good questions if you guys have any questions or any requests for any future episodes absolutely send them through to us um and we will hopefully hear you guys see you guys next time on the next podcast thanks everyone <laughs>